Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Yo. Woo! Oh, hey, I got to turn my light on. Oh, Hold it's on. way better. I got to get my beauty <laughs> <That's> light. <worse. laughs> Somehow it is worse. <laughs> do, you remember no. the, uh, do you ever watch the show 30 Rock with uh, Liz Lemon? Tina Fey I- plays. <laughs> There's one where she's got her own show called Deal Breakers, and they're doing little promo spots for it. And she, she is normally the writer who's dealing with really uh, – wigged out actors and actresses that are like super in their heads and self-conscious and she becomes the other that because she's in front of the camera <laughs> the, the hd camera and it just shows all the imperfections in her skin and face and that's, <laughs> so you just reminded me of you turn on the light and just whoa that's what I'm oh looking at. is that what he looks like <laughs> could, you, could you put it in low def please yeah 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 thanks guys very encouraging really appreciate <laughs> it you look great i like the haircut Thanks, yeah, I just got it today. Big haircut. <clears throat> Big haircut. Do they, do, do they have a Forrest Gump type of uh, haircut situation going on there? It's a Forrest Gump type situation, yeah. Nice. I was in and out in five minutes. Oof, uh-huh. that's pretty cool. It was pretty sweet. And I even told her, I was like, you know, just get it done. And she was like, oh, yeah, honey. It was excellent. Mm. Yeah. I had to do a, a graveside today. And I was looking all shaggy. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. No, mm-hmm. you're going to bury somebody. You got to look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Out of respect for full, family. Do you do full on? Uh, well, do you have a cemetery there on post? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sand Hill. Sand mm. Hill Cemetery. So it's, it's full, a lot of. Uh, full trumpet and everything or no guns, right? Yeah. No, we do guns. We do the whole thing. 21 gun salute. And uh Man, the lady, she was a little bit older today. She almost had a heart attack. I thought we were going to have another funeral. <laughs> I got to do a better job of warning them of like, it's that work. They're going to be loud guns. Yeah, seven she guns. Almost, she almost jumped out of her chair. Yeah. yeah. She was terrified. But I sort of crushed it. So <laughs> I think we're good to go. They were very pleased. All in a I day's remember, work, man. Good job. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that that made me feel very shallow <laughs> to be self-conscious at a funeral about how I did with the homily while somebody's <laughs> grieving the death of their loved one. Like, <laughs> boy, human nature. I could make this about me, can't I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come over to the spouse afterwards. You know, God bless you. I'm sorry for your loss. How did I do? What do you think? <laughs> That's what, I, you, you aren't saying that out loud, but you are thinking you're reading that in your face. <laughs> did I console you? Okay. Yeah, I did a good job. Tell me, tell me. That's that. That makes sense of Lewis's thing, and I think the weight of glory. How it doesn't sound like much, but Jesus guarantees us in heaven, or promises us this: "Well done, good and faithful servant. Now unto your master's joy." Mm. Except that when you really get that from someone whose opinion matters to you, there Mm. is no greater joy than "Well done, good and faithful servant." This validation of our being. You've done what you've been made to do. It's pretty good. Yeah. So but tell we're me. looking for it in other wrong places. Maybe you are. I'm not. <laughs> By the way, tell me how good I'm doing on the podcast. <laughs> I think this podcast is going pretty well. <laughs> tell me I'm good. 
Rob, do you have something? Because I, I do. I wanted to share a cool experience that I had. Fire away, man. The other day. Um, but it looks like you have something kind of cooking there. And you always got the good stuff. Yeah, no. you do have good stuff. No, man. Thank you. Tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Hey, you're great, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. You're great. <laughs> huh? What's your cool I'm gonna experience, put... Matt? All right. All right. All right. So I had spiritual direction yesterday with Father Walter. And pff, he's awesome. I know I talk about him quite a bit on the podcast, but he's just been such a blessing for me. And one, I just kind of wanted to rejoice in how awesome spiritual direction is. Because mm. um, it was it was very simple. It wasn't dramatic or anything like that. But um, doing army stuff, it's like an immersion into another language. You're in another culture. You got to pick up the jargon. You got to live according to like a certain lifestyle and when you do that i mean connor is probably your same experience when you did uh all your language studies the full immersion it starts to shape the way that your brain functions and like you're thinking differently that's a mm. part of like learning the language being immersed in the culture and all that different stuff and that's happening to me mm -hmm. i can feel i can feel that happening and so, like, all the ways that I'm processing information and data and my day-to-day. -day, Even just saying something like 30 September. You did say that. Yeah. Did I? Mm -hmm. 30 fair, September? Yeah. <clears throat> you kept saying that. And I'm like, that's not how people talk. That's not how people talk? What do they mm -hmm. say? September 30th. September 30th. September 30th. 30 mm -hmm. September. Do you say Man. Friday or do you have a different word for the days as well? <laughs> we still say Friday. Day Friday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, see like stuff like that. I don't even realize it. Um, mm -hmm. and the more and more you get immersed into it, it, what also comes along with it is there's a, a value structure that's in place in all these cultures that you start to focus on the things mm -hmm. that the highest people in the culture are also focusing on because they mm -hmm. say, Hey, I'm the king of this culture and I'm telling you what's good, what's success, what victory looks like. And so everybody else looks where they're looking. And so then you're like, oh, this is what it means to be good. This is what it means to be successful and all those different things that come along with it. And like, man, I could feel that happening in my brain. <clears throat> and as I was talking to Father Welter and I'm kind of describing like, man, I'm a little bit worried about these things and I got a little bit, I'm a little bit anxious about these things. And I, I've really been thinking a lot about this. He just did this really simple thing. And he was like, well, what do you think Jesus like feels about that? Or like, what do you think Jesus thinks about you missing, you know, a deadline on like a work project that you're going to be assessed by? And super simple question, but it was just like really clear that like. He's really I, mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be sent, punished. I sent you, I sent you <laughs> there and this is, is how you respond. <laughs> and the, it was the, it was maybe the most, um, the most identifiable moment that I had a metanoia experience. And again, not in like a dramatic way or whatever, but like got out outside of my mind, the, the meta beyond noia, your mind, mm. where I was like, Oh my gosh, I had conceived of this situation so totally within this new like framework of thinking. And mm. it was just like, Jesus went here, let me help you. And just like let picked me, me up and moved me outside of that. And then it mm. was, Again, very simple, not dramatic. Um, but I was like, man, I could totally fail. And like the Lord would, would still so love me. Mm -hmm. And there was just like this immediate 
freedom and levity. And you're like, oh, this mm. is real. Right. I was operating in fake army land. Mm -hmm. But like, that's not where I want to live. Mm -hmm. I want to live with the Lord. Um, and so a part of it was like, just spiritual direction is awesome. But then the second one was like, man, <clears throat> it was a really cool experience to be like saved from something that was less than the mind of Jesus and like mm. brought into that space. <clears throat> it was really cool. It was really fun. I've been thinking um, about trying to live from my heart more, which is, an, I think, what the experience you're describing uh, the way I experience similar things is that I'm after some good, which your heart is the wanting muscle. Um, so you're driving after whatever it is that that deadline thing represents to you, approval or uh, avoidance of failure um, or, or whatever the case may be, um, peace, stability, equilibrium, order like how you want your life to be or how you want to be as a person vis-a-vis -vis other people or, and so when I'm not living out of my heart and just like the experience of, okay, whatever I'm feeling right now and whatever I'm wanting, I'm in relationship. I'm like in, in myself looking out at others, you know, um, at reality. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really beautiful, but I'm always just myself in it, responding to it as it is right now. Or I like step out of myself. My head is this reasoning thing. And, but yet I can like have these ecstatic, ecstatic like movements in my head of like comparing myself to other people. So I'm outside myself looking at myself and like, how do I stack up next to that person? Or, um, boy, if I fail like in the future, what's that going to mean? Or, or that thing in the past is like unfixable or irresolvable and it represents what the future is guaranteeing me in terms of suffering or, or whatever. It could be the opposite. I could be looking forward to some pleasure like, oh man, in two weeks I'm going to be doing great. And I, um, right now it sucks, but it's, you know, and it's just all this stuff pulling you out of yourself and pulling you out of the moment. Um, it's like, I feel like that's what pride is in a way, you know, um, like true humility Tim Manastas, my associate, had this great uh, homily on, was it the gospel last week? About take the lowest place. Um, they said humility is telling the truth about yourself. Um, and it's not living in the, like, the narrative of yourself, the, the accusative narrative of like all the worst things about yourself. Like when he used the example of doing this wedding mass and he tried to do the Our Father and the em embolism and stuff in Polish. And he had tried really hard at the accent and stuff and was pretty proud of it. And then after the mass, this guy comes up to him and is like, Father, great homily. I love the, the wedding. It was such a beautiful ceremony, but your Polish is kind of rough. I don't know if you should do that again or something, something like that. And he just said that that was what stuck with him of, of everything of that day for a long time. It was just like this one thing he did wrong or embarrassment, humiliation. Um, mm. You know, but humility is the, the truth is like it doesn't surprise me that I'm not perfect or that I'm not good at everything, but I have these gifts and I'm glad to be myself. <laughs> Did I tell you the story of, I think it was Donovan, this little kid in our preschool who, uh, at preschool graduation when I was in this, uh, in the parish, I went to the preschool graduation 
and the kids all had to say like three things they liked about preschool. And his three things were like, I like drawing, I like dinosaurs and I like myself. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like a very likable kid. So it was, it just struck me as like one of the most truly humble, innocent things a kid could say is that he just liked being himself, you know? Hmm. Um, and that's where I want to be is like living out of my heart so that what you're describing that levity and ease and it's not that you're dismissing the needs and requirements of the army. It's just that like, okay, who, who am I living for? What am I living for? And who am I really? It's all this identity stuff and it's and for that to be stable needs to be rooted in a relationship um and then your mission flows out of that yeah it was like i've heard the a description of betrayal um is that betrayal is when you look up and you realize that reality is not as you thought it was which meant that you don't know where you've been and you don't know where you are and you don't know where you're going because you thought the world was one way but then it turns out there was actually this like kind of dark underbelly that people betrayed you and they um, they are not you're not in relationship with people the way that you thought you were. Mm. And so you're like, man, I thought life was like this good. But it turns out there was all this undercurrent of stuff that was going on that it flipped me upside down. And now I have no stability in my life because what I thought was real is actually not real. What I experienced was the opposite of that. Yeah. Where it was like oh man, (laughs) kind of living in like an untruth. And then it was like, oh, wait a second. Um, Let's get beyond that so we can actually live in the freedom of what Jesus Christ has to offer. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is real. And it was immediate. um, Yeah, I guess like that freedom and kind of room to breathe. And you just get to laugh at those things. Mm. Um, And it's like a little moment of salvation there that becomes incarnate. And you're like, hey, that's pretty cool, man. I that read also makes me that. think of like, what about what about when it all is truly revealed, either at death or after death, at the second coming, when like all the apocalypsis that unveiling uh-huh. happens, and we see the truth, yeah, naked, like wow. If these little epiphanies or metanoias have that much of a relief about, oh, that's the truth of who I am and the way things actually are it's gonna be pretty dope it'll be great i think it'll be funny yeah in like the best way <laughs> that's what's so good about it of yeah. um yeah that's it's interesting um it's very uh what both of you said is very similar to a point again it's another c.s lewis point from screw tape but i read one recently that um you know, the demons are talking to each other and the the guy, the patient that they're working on for hell is actually growing in humility, which is extraordinarily concerning <laughs> for like for the demons. And so their only play left is to try to make him prideful about being humble, which is possible. This is what I preached on last weekend, mm-hmm. actually, is that um, like human beings have the capacity to be so prideful that you're actually prideful about your own humility yeah and so the demons they say in the book in their strategy you can do that and what they're doing is just numbing the person to reality and eventually trying to win the soul 
for for hell. But the one thing that they have to guard against is that their sense, the person's sense of humor is not cultivated. Hmm. Because as soon as as soon as the sense of humor arises, then the game is up because they realize how ridiculous it is to be humble about to be, of being to be prideful of being about being humble. And it's funny. <laughs> and it so it shows it in its in its light. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's a great it's very it's a very like it's a point that's very in front of you. And you say like, oh, that's so obvious. But you probably never thought about it before. Hmm. Yeah. Um, which I, why, that's why I found it so insightful, but Mm -hmm. no, it's good, man. I've been praying a lot with, uh, images. Um, it's been big like the last couple months and I talked about it in spiritual direction of just prayer being less didactic and more like iconic in, in a lot of ways and the fruits that that can bear. Um, but certainly even when you guys were, were talking and sharing there, it just brought about, um, kind of like what you said, like you said, that's a little, you know, it's a glimpse or an experience of salvation in that moment that's incarnate. It's like, yeah, I, you know, you actually have, I think those are very present, you know, I think, and the weird thing about the human experience is that you can reflect on and be aware of it in yourself and then you can see it in other people too. Um, mm-hmm. So I was thinking just a couple really, I was thinking, we've kind of been reflecting back on my summer and how good it was and just a couple images um, that have really been, yeah, very iconic for me um, to to pray with and getting to see another human being in a moment, like just a glimpse, you know. But they're they're not self conscious in the moment; um, they're just them, and it's it's very cool. It's a very cool place to be. Yeah. Uh, Tolkien, he I don't know if he created a word. Which is very, um, very it's a Tolkien move. Yeah, it's a very Tolkien move. Um, but he called those moments, um, like those moments of grace, when you can really see it. And yeah, salvation takes on flesh in people's lives and these specific moments. He called them you catastrophes. Mm. So like, it's the opposite of a catastrophe. Like everything mm. falls apart. Where it's like there's just some explosion of grace that illuminates reality. Mm. Um, and he, he has a couple of like pivotal moments within the trilogy where he would point to and be like, that's a you catastrophe that kind of happened in the story. But mm. I love that that term. It's like, dude, here's a concrete victory for Jesus right here in somebody's life. And mm-hmm. um, against all odds. It's it's the opposite of a catastrophe. It's an anti-betrayal. This is like an invitation into reality. This is the the Lewis trifecta because we said way to glory, screw tape. Do you do you remember the silver chair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the same pretty similar concept? Is that at night he's tied to the silver chair by the witch because that's the hour of sanity he has mm-hmm. all day when he re- mm-hmm. he remembers that he's is he the prince or something. Oh man, dude, good point. Good point. You're right. You're right. I don't remember that part. Say walk through it a little bit because I don't remember him sitting in the chair. Yeah, the children somehow find themselves in this like underworld. They go under, yeah. And there's uh, I I remember the there cuz they're digging tunnels to attack his own kingdom. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. is digging tunnels oh, to right. attack his own kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's the king. Right. And the witches bewitched him into thinking that all all of that stuff up there 
is an illusion, even to the point where like there's no such thing as the sun, that that's just you're just extrapolating from these light bulbs that we have down here, that there's some kind of like bright light bulb in the sky. Um, right. You know, it's just the reality is this dark, dim, low thing. And there's no big world beyond this world. Um, and, you know, you're you're much better off. Oh, I can't remember all of the all of the deceit or the deception that that she. But, yeah, the, the idea is that, like, they're down there tunneling to overthrow his own kingdom. Um, so he's become his own his own enemy, except one hour a night, which is when she tells him, like, oh, we always have to tie you to this chair because you go berserk because you're like crazy. But it's only this one hour. And that's that's this hour that he gets this grace of remembering the truth. And if um, if he's able to like be free and move in those, in those moments, he would just go back up and it would just be in a moment he could he could be free and back king of his kingdom again. Um, so somehow the children. Spoiler alert, she dies. Uh, <laughs> the children help him. <laughs> but that's a that's a many years ago. I read that summary. But what you're talking about, that feeling, the anti-betrayal, the eucatastrophe, that's somehow like that hour of clarity of remembering who you are. And actually amnesia, what you're talking about with betrayal and that that like this um, earthquake of like what's what's real, what's what uh, what can be relied on. Amnesia is the same way, like you forget uh, and the whole idea of anamnesis in the mm-hmm, mass and mm-hmm, liturgies, mm-hmm. like the anti-forgetting. Um, drill this into your children speak of them at home and abroad whether you're busy or at rest like do not forget who you are in god Mm. and what he has done for you um so amnesia is like i forget who i am i forget my own name and i forget what's real and where i came from and what happened and how i got here and also who i can trust um so anamnesis is like just and with grace it's in it's infused in a certain sense like you father brian helped you reason to this in a certain way it was like through your mind but it got to your heart by way of just like the the plain truth of it like what does jesus actually think about your tps reports he does (laughs) not care (laughs) you know totally totally yeah it was unbelievable and that's um, I've heard a, a buddy talk about like the whole story of the Old Testament is spiritual, uh, spiritual dementia, uh, or yeah, spiritual, like this uh, constant forgetfulness. I like that's how yeah. There's an I think it's early in his pontificate, but Francis defines sin as forgetting. Hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah. I remember uh, Mark Duran was he, like he would talk about that in, I think in morals, he told us that hmm. I could have that totally hmm. wrong. It's been a long time ago, but yeah. like yeah. the definition, a good definition for sin is forgetting. And it, it, it usually, I mean, there's a couple of like pretty hilarious, it's horrible. I'm sure it was horrible at the time, but like the, how quickly the people of Israel forget this, the spiritual amnesia sets in and then they, they move on to other gods and um, make molten calves after like a day of Moses being away and (laughs) dude, some of those, it's so funny. And even the Psalm talks about it is like, when you forget who you are, you went from worshiping the true God of Israel, the the God of heaven and earth, the creator of heaven and earth 
to worshiping a dumb inanimate object that eats grass. And you're like, that's, that's always felt to me like a good image of sin. Like when I forget who I am, you're like worshiping God in the glory of heaven to like mindlessly eating. (laughs) You're like, you just become so less than what you were made for when you forget who, who you are in God. Um, and like the people of Israel go from being his chosen people. They're still his chosen people, but they forget it. And all of a sudden, they're worshiping a cow. <laughs> <laughs> missing the mark a little bit there, guys. And you're like, right. missing the mark a little bit there, Mike. You know? It, that that whole back and forth is so funny. Moses comes down and he's like, Aaron, what happened? And Aaron's like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, dude. He literally goes, um, he's like, look, a while. yeah, you were, you were away. And the people, the people asked me, they, it's, yeah. they asked me right. to, just to gather get, get up all the, the gold, yeah. just they gathered up the gold. And then I threw it in there and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, it popped out this calf. I don't know. No. Right. He literally <laughs> said, I just like put it in. And then what popped out was a calf. So I don't know. And then we just kind of lost it. Do you from remember there. the story of father de Gaulle <laughs> with the coffee creamer? Did I ever tell you this? Uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> what you just said about Aaron's reaction to Moses reminds me of um, a couple of buddies. I think it was Jamie and Scott were driving Father de Gaulle early in the morning to the airport when they were in the seminary. And uh, so they were being good little seminarians and they got him a coffee and like, oh, Father de Gaulle, here's, we, we got you a hot coffee. Do you want cream? And um, they got him in the passenger seat. And by the time... Jamie walked around to the driver's side and he opens the door, sits down in the driver's seat. Father de Gaulle just turns to him. He goes, um, something seems to have happened. <laughs> and what had, what had happened was that he uh, opened the creamer kind of violently and it just sprayed dairy all over into the, into the speaker and the door and all. <laughs> it's like a big mess, uh, with this tiny little creamer. And, uh, that passive, the passive voice there was just so funny. Something seems to have happened. <laughs> that's that's Aaron when Moses comes down. Uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. It just this weird, a bunch of stuff happened that was kind of weird. One, one thing story. led to another, and like then now here we are. Yeah. Oh, Greg over there just took off his tunic, and everyone was like, "Hey, what's going on over there?" Remember in Hot Rod when the uh, the montage turns into a riot and the, and the dude's got a TV? Yeah. I was like, man, that was so weird. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was such a positive vibe and people just took advantage of it. I saw. Yeah, I told him. <laughs> he had looted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff, guys. Yep. I know you got, a, you got an out. You got to get going. These are out. Yeah. I do got to get going. You have other friends besides us. That's cool. I have other friends too. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, not tonight because I was going to hang out with you guys and everything, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. So many other friends. Tons of friends. Are you kidding me? Loads of them. Tons. Who's crying? I'm not. (laughs) I was just making, I was making a lasagna. (laughs) What's that? uh, What's your apartment like? Mike, you got it all fixed up, and it looks much uh, more homey than it did. Yeah, yeah, no, it it does. It feels much more homey. Um, 
Hey, let me show you just, I sent pictures of this to Rob. I don't know how this is going to look on the computer, but I'm working on it. This is like a little homey project that I do in my, in my spare time. All right, Rob, you already know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Whoa. Look at this, dude. I am. You did that? I'm redesigning, (laughs) doing a model of the Mundelein Chapel. (laughs) What? You see the front there? Isn't that insane? I can't tell if you're trolling me, dude. What is that? Is it made of toothpicks? Well, it's not toothpicks. It's like actual model wood pieces. Look, this is the side. How insane is that? Is that for real? The Mundelein Chapel? This is the... Dude, I... I sketched it out to the exact dimensions, then put the ratios of like how it all needs to Mike, fit together. You're like an, dude, you're like an idiot savant. How are you able to do that? <laughs> 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 what do you mean, dude? It's just math. And that chapel is so perfectly constructed on its ratios that once you figure out what the like what the actual um, I don't know what the what the answer is, it it's the key to everything. Right. You can figure out exactly how everything proportions like that's an together. That's an isosceles triangle. It's perfect. It's wow. perfect. Can I see the front? Can I see the front again? Yeah, dude. It's. I had so much fun doing this. I put on an audio book, and then wow, I, isn't that cool? That's very cool. So yeah, those are the little niches where the statues are. That's where the statues would be, and I have these columns created. Mary over the front door. Yeah, look at the detail over the front over the front door there. You see that? Yeah. Dude, it's arch. so fun. I'm having a I'm having a blast with it. So I put on an audio book. I do. I say this in meaning because it is really cool. There's like a little part of me. Have you? It reminds me of the scene from Parks and Rec when Ben is in like a really <laughs> bad place, and he gets into claymation. That's it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Requiem for a dream. No, I think you're really gonna like this, dude. <laughs> it, He's been in his room for like six days and he has four seconds of video. He's like, that can't be it. That can't be it. Yeah. I feel like that project indicates that you're either doing really well, that you have all this creative energy and, or that you're just not doing well at all. Yeah. (laughs) It's one or or the other. Well said. I guess, I guess we'll have to see guys. (laughs) We'll see how this plays out. If you see me on the news in a couple of weeks, I think we'll know. It's just, it's just a disturbing amount of toothpick models in his house. Like, Whoa. Did he sleep? Or? That is a striking resemblance to certain people's faces. Yeah. I mean, he's talented, but he's, he's crazy. There's no doubt about that. All right, gents. Well, have a good evening. I we'll see you needs- next time. Peace out. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball.
dogs. Good girl. <laughs>